You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. That's right, folks. We got a great one for you tonight. You won't believe it this time. We are going back once again to the movies, and we are looking at Fantastic Beasts, The Secret of Dumbledore. It should be very interesting to see, you know, did we like the third part of the Fantastic Beasts segment? Did it, you know, steal our hearts, or did it leave us flat and dark like the last one did? It's going to be very interesting to talk all about it. And we got a great crew here to talk about it this week. Sitting in for Mr. Mike Gordon, we actually have Mark Heffern in this week. Howdy, Mark. Hello, everyone. No, no howdy? It's great to be... Uh, no howdy? No, I, uh, no, I'm not Mr. Howdy. Oh, Although man. I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> See, it still counts. There you go. You tricked me into saying it. <laughs> I know. Mike Gordon actually will be back later in this episode for a, little, a couple segments, but it's the for the main part of the show, it's going to be myself, Mark, and of course, our box office buzz gal herself, Ashley Pauls. Welcome. Hello. Thank you, as always, for inviting me back to the station. It's always good to be here when you're thinking of a movie. It is great to think of Ashley. So it's good. It's a positive thing. So uh, good. <laughs> yes. Well, it's awesome what you do for the, you know, with your movie reviews. And then, you know, even when you're technically not on the show, you're still on the show. So, cause you, you do your segments. So, and it's pretty awesome that, you know, we're going to be able to talk about some, you know, love of the Harry Potter universe all together. Should be. Yes. Kind of fun. And I feel like this is kind of easing us into the summer movie season, which is really going to kick off with Dr. Strange. I feel like it just starts earlier and earlier every year. Like pretty soon it's just going to be geek movie season all year round. Well, if you think about it, you know, a lot of times, you know, we have geek movies in March and that, yeah, you know, and, and you know, we had Batman and that was a pretty big blockbuster and, you know, and it's still making money worldwide it hasn't gone away and it's then we had sonic the hedgehog and you know which did better than i actually ever thought it would and now you have fantastic beasts um and then what doctor strange isn't all that far away from where we are right now we're two what we're literally three weeks away from yeah wow that doesn't seem real but yeah it seems like we were just watching spider-man no way home exactly so it's going to be very, very interesting to see because what Doctor Strange, I think, opens like May, I want to say like 5th or 6th mm-hmm. or something in, I the, think so. in that ballpark. And the week before that, we're going to be doing our summer movie preview. So that's always the fun one because that's where we see if we have egg on our face, which is even better. So it should... I can't wait to see what we all get wrong. So. Well, at least we all skipped uh, Morbius, right? What yes, it, I, I did not see Morbius. What, I think the world skipped Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> so I know a couple friends who actually went to see it. And 
Um, they did not have some nice things to say about it, which is, and it's sad because it has Matt Smith in it. He's the 11th doctor. And, you know, it's like he couldn't even save it. If he would have whipped out the sonic screwdriver, take that vampire. Ha ha ha. And he went <laughs> like this. Or like, that might have saved it, but, you know. Unexpected crossover. Exactly. So, and then he pulls on a bow tie and he says, you know, I wear a bow tie now. Bow ties are cool. So, you know, it could have worked possibly, but definitely love to hear from you guys at home. Feedback at earthstation1.com. It's going to be a fun one this week. We got a great f bunch of folks here. We got someone amazing in the geek seat and you know what? It just should be a ton of fun to talk about. And definitely, you know, folks, if you haven't got a chance to subscribe to the show, please do. We're up on every, you know, possible, almost possible at least, um, way to listen to the podcast. You know, we're up on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, Google, TuneIn Radio, Amazon, you know, Pandora, you know, you name it, Earth Station One's there. And if you know of one that we aren't on yet, Please write me. I will add it to it. And I will announce it that you told me to be on that one. So definitely would do it. And while you're there, please rate the show. Five stars is the only way to go for us. And we would really appreciate that. Also, a big shout out, of course, to our sponsor for this week. Fosi Optical is the way to go for sunglasses this spring. That's right. And as a way of saying thank you, Fosi Optics has a 10% off coupon and you have to put the code earth station one into the coupon code and you get 10% off your whole order. Just not a one pair of glasses like some places do No, your whole order. That's pretty spiffy. Then you could get sunglasses. You can get gamer glasses, blue light blocking glasses, safety goggles, you name it. Tofosi optics has it. Check it out. Tofosioptics.com. Three, two, and now we're here with new friend of the show, author and actor, James Bailey. Welcome to the show, sir. And screenwriter. Throw that in there, too. Screenwriter also. What what don't you do, James? That's the question. <laughs> I'm trying to. Uh, well, anyway, HBO, I'm, they're interested in the script I wrote, so I threw the screenwriter in there, too. So uh, That's very awesome. That's very awesome. Uh, welcome to the station. Um, we're so happy to have you here joining us. Um, for those people who may not be familiar with you and your work, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, Mel Brooks is one of my best friends, so I'm, I'm always using his name, so I'll get that out of the way. <laughs> that's, a, that's a, you know, if you're going to drop some names, that's a, that's a big one. That's a good one to drop. Well, I, do you cuss on this show? I don't know. I have to watch myself. Not well, freaking you know, is good, right? Yeah, freaking. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and instead of using the S word, we use shiitake okay. mushroom, okay. you know, that's right. you know. So, anyway, Mel said to me, Jim, don't you ever get freaking tired of using my name? <laughs> and I said, No, and he says, Well, you got OCD, you can't help yourself. So, I'll, I'll go. that's why I go by that, you know, OCD, my escape. Absolutely. And I, I just read his book, his newest yeah, uh, autobiography book. that came out. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing read. Amazing yeah. read. Um, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, your book as well. Diary of a Manic OCD Bookseller. Is that right? Can you see it? <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know if it shows or not. Yeah. Diary of a Manic OCD Bookseller. One book, anyway, by James Bailey. 
So that book, this new book is about how I made my first book, Man Interrupted, a bestseller. And I got an option for a movie and how I use my OCD. I would just get on the bus, go to a Barnes and Noble, uh, meet somebody, talk them into buying the book, I'd autograph it, and then get on the bus and go to another store. I just couldn't stop. You know, I, the, the manic OCD, <laughs> even though Mel told me, he said, Jim, leave some freaking books in the store. It's good for your ego. <laughs> I tried. I'll walk all the way to the freaking bus and then my OCD would kick in. No, you got to go sell that freaking book. So <laughs> they're always out of stock. So, <laughs> so that's what the book's about. And then, uh, during this journey, I met Bob Dylan, who bought my book. And a lot of really famous people. And then I was living in my car. So I met a lot of crazy street people. So one minute I'm talking to Bob Dylan. Next minute I'm talking to a bearded lesbian. <laughs> so, you know, it goes up and down. Who liked me? I was one of my only friends now, I had. It. <laughs> now, now, what time? What, when, when, what, what's the time frame here? Recent. <laughs> <laughs> Got no excuse. <laughs> I'm still doing it. I can't help myself. So. That's that's why Mel likes me because I'm a hard worker, you know, I never stop. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so your first book, right? Yeah. Um, uh, tell us a little bit about making that. Where did the idea come from? Had, was something that you always wanted to do was write a book or? No, it is, unfortunately it was a true story. The first book and Adam Sandler almost did the movie version because it was optioned for a movie. Uh huh. And to make a long story short, I had OCD really bad way back when and part of my problem was i had a fear of germs irrational fear right and so i would go hang out with street people homeless people pretend to be homeless face my fear you know i would shake their hand and you know like shaking i'm start trembling because i want to go wash but i kept holding myself in there i kept thinking you know the anxiety will go away if i keep doing it you know so then now it gets really weirder i had an irrational fear of drugs irrational i walk by a guy who looked like he's possibly could be high and i go wash my face and my hands and i had to open the door with my feet because i didn't want to get germs in my hands so now it's bizarre because i got rid of it you know but so what i did i started hanging around drug dealers and trying to face my fear of drugs so i kept talking about drugs all the time with all the drug dealers and finally one of them squiggles was his real name and he said to me hey jim you talk about drugs all the time, but we've never seen you do drugs. So now they think I'm a narc. So, so now I got oh, drug dealers chasing me. So that was all in my first book. So that's why it was pretty interesting. And I thought almost became a movie, you know. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Crazy, and so, so you, yeah, absolutely. So you write the first book, you, you release it, and then then you take it upon yourself to sell it pretty much like a one-man band, Yeah, I mean, right? just... Relentless. I couldn't stop. <laughs> I walk up to strangers. I, I just over and over. I actually had a woman in Malibu, true story. She said, hey, man, you came up to me six times plugging your book, you know, because I can't remember. I'm doing something, you know, one after another. So I finally said, well, you know, of course, she's living in Malibu. She's rich, right? You know, of course. I said, well, miss, why don't you buy the book since I told you six times? So, you know, that's my strategy. Well, I know it's crazy, but anyway. No, absolutely. I mean, look, I mean, I, uh, you know, I think we, we've interviewed a lot of independent uh, writers, uh, artists, et cetera, et cetera. It's really difficult. Uh -huh. I mean, doing the work itself 
is a challenge, but then trying to get people to buy it, you know, you know, dealing with the marketplace and all that kind of stuff. That is a whole host of other challenges as well. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, what happened at first when I didn't have a movie option, I was walking around Malibu and people thought I lived in Malibu. They didn't know whenever nobody was looking, I'd run, jump on the bus, you know, go back to LA. But anyway, it's all in the book, by the way. So it's a pretty crazy story. So, uh, so that's what I was doing. And, and one day I walked up to a woman and I said, do you like to read? You know, Malibu, all the movie people live in Malibu. So it's a good place to hustle. Right. So I said, do you like to read? And she says, she had an accent. She said, well, you should meet my son-in-law. He's a director. He just did a movie at Tribeca. I said, yeah, where is he? I want to meet him. I'd love to meet the guy. <laughs> so she, he, she calls him up. He comes, good looking guy. And he says, yeah, let's go get your book. So we go to the bookstore in Malibu. He buys the book, autograph it, blah, blah, blah. Next day, he calls me up. Jim, I want to make the movie. I want to buy, I want to buy the option from you. So I did all that on my own without an agent and all that. So. So in, in the book also, if nothing else, is motivating. You know, if you think you can't do something, you can do it. You know, if you really put your ass out there. You know. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and now the book is you know Diary of an OCD bookseller. Diary of a now, manic OCD bookseller. Manic, right? Sorry, manic. <laughs> oh, right. Do you uh, do you experience uh, any sort of mania OCD regarding anything else in life? Not really. I, I finally woke up one day and I said, well, I, I've got this OCD. Use it to my advantage, you know. Right. So I just walk up to anybody, anywhere. Do you like to read or whatever? Right? That's all. It works, man. That's how it became a bestseller, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and now, in addition to selling the books, um, like I said, we also have you listed as an actor. Are you, are you, uh, have you done a lot of that as well? Well, the OCD put a kind of cramp on that for year, you know, when I was doing it years ago. But now I'm back. Gotcha. I tried out for a couple movies the last month, so I'm back mm-hmm. at it again. Right, right. Well, I mean, you mentioned that the OCD was one of the things that uh, you know about, uh, especially about when it came to germs. And boy, over the last couple of years, we we really understand how <laughs> like that 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 is not a bad um, thing to to take serious take seriously right well to be honest now i don't give a damn about that stuff but see (laughs) (laughs) so what yeah shake my freaking (laughs) so back then if this would happen like 30 years ago the covet i'd probably be would have committed suicide by now you know oh my goodness yeah because now have you now has writing and doing this book selling, has that helped with dealing with OCD? Is that something that, uh, or did you actually use other, uh, let's see, sort of therapeutic methods for that? No, I just, uh, you know, a psychiatrist told me a hundred years ago, he says, Jim, you got to have a reason to get up every morning or or you cease to exist. So I, he means like you, either if you die of depression or you, you know, you just sit around watch TV and crumble away. So I always remind myself, you know, you got to keep moving, keep moving. Don't stop, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I'll, here, I'll give you a good example. I'll go to the beach in Santa Monica, sunny day. There's you know, people everywhere. And I'll walk by this sort of like private club. And there's a lot of rich people out front. And, you know, they don't want to deal with me. You know, they're, mind, they're having fun on the beach. So I tell myself, well, if I walk up there, they're going to be rude and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then I say, oh, who gives a damn, you know? So, so what? They're rude to me. Who cares? So I do it anyway. I kind of, you know, psych myself to do it, you know. So I do it. 
I don't care. You know, you have to, do, you know, if you're going to be successful, you got to do that. You know, take chances, make a fool of yourself. That's my logic, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it does look like um, already the book has made uh, an impact with a lot of readers. I've read a lot of the, the sort of reviews on Amazon and whatnot. It sounds like uh, you've really tapped into something that a lot of people can relate to. Well, I mean, if I read the book and I wasn't like I am, I think, well, that guy's insane. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> you know, you got to be realistic. <laughs> but, you know, and then, you know, actually Simon Schuster told me I should get it to Netflix like a series, you know. Uh-huh. So that's another thing that I'm working on, too. So I want to act in all these things. I'm not going to sell any of them unless I get to be active. And that's my new strategy for lack of a Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, awesome. Well, um, my guy, I think now that we know that, uh, you know, he's got book selling capabilities for <laughs> sure. Um, I think we should find out what else is he's passionate about. So I think he's ready for the geek seat. Okay. I keep on saying that Mike, but you know, I don't know. He might, uh, you know, he might walk out of here without even like blinking and going, those guys, pff, they didn't even know what to expect with me. No, no, he's not going to walk out of here unless we both buy a book. That's true. Well, that's, that's true. Uh, you're, oh, you're, oh you're, you're stealing my thunder. I was already thinking that. You know? <laughs> I told Mel, I'll do any podcast. I have one follower or a hundred. If the guy's doing it, buy my book. I don't care. You know, or one of the guys doing the podcast. So that's my logic on the podcast thing now. Well, so you got to get totally the book. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. All right. Only like 10 bucks on Amazon too. 10 bucks. That's not bad. That's actually not a bad price. No, I mean, yeah. So if you don't get it, then, you know. Awesome. All back. right, James. <laughs> Ready for your first question in the geek okay. seat? James, what was your favorite geek out moment? Uh, uh, give me an example of yours, and then I can. <laughs> well, you know, like, oh my God, I just met Mel Brooks for the first time. Well, you want to yeah, hear the real. You want to hear the quick Mel Brooks story? Sure. You guys will love this. So I used to sneak in the studios all the time as an actor. You know, I was I was crazy before crazy was popular. So I was sneaking. I would walk by the uh, the suits at lunch. You know, I had their suits on. And then I'd walk next to them like I was one of them and ask them the time. So they would think the studio, uh, the security thought we're all together. Right. So I had it down to a science. So I'm doing this every day and I'm trying to be casting, you know, do blah, blah, blah. So anyway, one day I to steal the box and I hear this voice from behind me, right? He goes, are you freaking insane? And I thought, oh boy, it must be security, right? And I turn around, it's Mel Brooks. <laughs> so he says to me, "He, I see you here every freaking day. You got the same freaking clothes on, which is true. I had a $50 suit at Hollywood Boulevard and I was wearing it. He says, I don't want you to get in trouble, man. And, you know, if I notice you, security's going to notice you, right? Right. I said, okay, Mel, I'm not going to do this anymore. You'll never see me again. Of course, well, after he left, I would kept doing it. You know, I'm that kind of guy. I'm not going to stop, you know. <laughs> so, true story. Next day, I got an audition for Charlie's Angels. Remember the Charlie's Angels show? At sure. Fox. At Fox. So, I'm walking in the studio with a pass. I'm legitimate, right? I thought, well, I'll never see Mel. It's a big studio, you know. And guess who comes driving by in his Rolls Royce? Mel. He sees me. He starts shaking his head like, oh, no. So I run over there. And I said, Mel, I'm legit. I got a pass. 
And he said, well, tuck your freaking shirt in. And then we've been friends ever since. So that's, to do <laughs> that's my awesome. Man. Yeah. That it's is in his book, awesome. by the way. <laughs> so That is awesome. I love it. So would Give you me another that example you... of the geek thing. So I want to do what you. Oh, no. A favorite, another favorite geek out moment. Um, all right. Like when you, if, when I, and it's a total geek moment. It's okay. Um, sure. When in, uh, in Star Wars, when in Empire Strikes Back, when, you know, Darth Vader said, Luke, I am your father, you know, and nobody blew the surprise for me. And it was just like, oh my God, I didn't expect that. Oh, wow. You know, something like that. Well, that's so, a good yeah, or another one could easily be for a geek out moment. You sold the first hundred copies of your book. Ah, you know, you know, you geeked out about it. There's a hundred people who are reading my book that I don't know. You know, that type of thing. Oh, I did yeah. the same. Here's I, okay. I did. I did the same thing the first time we passed a thousand downloads on our podcast. Oh, great! You know, you know that that somebody other than my mother was listening to my show. It was awesome. Oh, you know. okay. I got it. I got a good one. Yeah. Okay. So what is your geek out moment then? Well, I got, I'm, uh, you know, I got, you know, uh, hotmail, which is kind of irrelevant. You know, nobody uses hotmail anymore, right? More or less. But whatever reason, I checked my hotmail. I don't know why. And all of a sudden, I had an email. And this guy emailed me. He says, are you James Bailey, the author of Man Interrupted? And I, you know, of course, he does. No. He said, I'm in prison in London, England, in jail. And your book's in the prison library. <laughs> so, <laughs> shit. so he said, I loved your book and blah, blah. If you're James Bailey, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, well, what did I write back to this guy? I mean, it's very cool. You know, of course, you know, captive audience more or less, right? So I thought, <laughs> literally, yeah, right. I thought, well, maybe he's a murderer. I don't want to, you know, what am I going to say to the guy? You know, but anyway, I said, well, that's very kind of you. I didn't want to make a connection with the guy, even though he's across the pond. You know, you never know. But anyway, that was pretty cool. Yeah, that wow. I, my book's in the prison library in London, and this guy liked it. So I guess that would qualify, right, for geek. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. So. Yep. Whatever. Whatever. Whatever turns you on, uh, turns you on, or turns you off. Yeah. It, that was pretty cool. Um, Exactly. The next actually goes right into the next question for you. Then, what was your most disappointing geek out moment? Oh, oh, well, I got so many. Huh. Let me see. Okay, I got a Jeff Bridges. Remember the actor? Jeff. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, of, of course. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Okay. So I I met his dad a hundred years ago, Lloyd, who was a very nice man. Yeah. So I actually saw Jeff at a red light in Malibu uh, in Santa Monica, going towards Malibu. And I thought, oh, I, I liked his dad. And I pulled up next to him in my car. I go, hey, I want to give you my book. I'm a big fan of your dad's. I met your dad. And he he looked at me like, what the hell is this guy doing? You know? And uh, I said, I want to give you a book. Uh, you know? So he said, well, you're going to get run over. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, like I said, I don't care. I jump out of my car in traffic, threw the book in his window, you know, through a little window in his car. And I thought, ah, you know, I, I that was I was expecting him to be like his dad. Like, oh, you know what I mean? It's hard. You get what I'm trying to say? I was disappointed. Yeah, I thought, well, he's going to say, oh, you'd like my dad. That's cool. Or something like that. Of course, we're in traffic, so he's got an excuse, you know? So, Sure. Does sure. that qualify? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, oh, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> what, ge- what geeks you out the most? Another example on that one. 
What, uh, what, what are you passionate about the most? Yeah, what are you passionate about, dude? Right now, I say be acting. You know, because I've okay. lost all those years, you know, with the OCD, I, you know, trying to make what? up. Oh, yeah. What about acting, you know, turns you on? You know, what, what about it excites you? I think it's, it's kind of like, uh, I want that Larry Hankin thing where people say, you know, I saw that guy something. He was good. You know, I, that's, I want somebody to come up to me and say, man, you really were funny or this, you know, that I, I guess it's my ego. Maybe, I don't know. I mean, when I was a kid, I never really got any attention, you know, as, a, you know, my folks were divorced and I was kind of thrown around with different relatives. Mm-hmm. I think to be, maybe it's the wrong reasons, but that's why I got into acting. I wanted attention. I never got when I was a kid. So I guess just to be honest about it, maybe I'm still yeah. looking for that, you know? No, that's awesome. And, you know, let's look at the flip side of that. What turns your geek off? What, you know, disappoints you the most? Uh, I guess when you meet somebody and you kind of look up to them, like I met Jerry Seinfeld, you know, and I love that show. Yeah, that's, you know, and I met Jerry, it's actually in my book, and I gave him one of my books years ago, right? Mm -hmm. My first book in Malibu at a restaurant. And he took the book, he was with another guy, and I walked around, you know, after you watch those shows so many times, you almost feel like you know the characters, you know? Right. Does that make any sense? Like, I mean, like, yeah, (laughs) it's like he's supposed to be funny and say, how, you know, whatever, you know? So I kept walking around and I thought, you know, I I need to get something more out of Jerry. I'm just giving him a book. He's got to say something to me, funny or something. So funny, I guess he could see me walking around and my book says OCD everywhere on the cover, you know? So he's probably thinking, this guy, he's probably a little off, you know? So finally, I walk back up to him and Jerry says, I want to give you the book back. You know? <laughs> so I said, wow. Oh, yeah. And wow. I, that, that takes hooks, but man, that really does. Yeah. And then I called Mel right after immediately because Mel kind of keeps me out of trouble. You know? And he said, well, that's what you get. You should have given the freaking book. Get the hell out of there. <laughs> it's Mel. You know? Exactly. Part two to that story. Part two. I saw Jerry this summer. Uh-huh. same restaurant and i said jerry you probably don't remember me i met you a few years back and i gave you a book and you gave it back to me he go oh yeah i remember you i said well i've written a new book and you're in in the book you know and you could tell he, he's with the same guy he was with the first time who, who was a writer on sunfield and you could tell he was so so friendly you know what i mean so i said you actually have a nice chapter in the book blah 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 so anyway and i also said that you're my second favorite comedian. I said, Robert Klein is my favorite. Oh, yeah. And he got a kick out of that. And he said, well, thank you. So anyway, I took off this time, you know, left the book on the table. And no, I actually gave it to his friend. I said, no, Jerry, since you gave the other book back to me, I'm going to give the book to your friend this time. You know, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so anyway, I took off like Mel and said, get your butt out of there. So after about a half hour, 45 minutes, I walked back. And of course, they were gone. And there was two girls sitting at the table. I said, you didn't happen to notice uh, there was a book on that table over there. She said, oh, yeah, Jerry Seinfeld was there. He was getting ready to leave. He was getting in his car. He said, wait a minute, I forgot the book. So he took my book this time. So, All right. So That's awesome. Back, I'm back. On, I love Jerry again. So, you know. He's not. He's back off your S list, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, like Mel said, you should have given the book that you bought out of there. And I guess my OC you know, kicked in. I wanted some, yeah, like I said, you feel like you know these people when you see them. You know, oh, sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, I'm like, no. yeah. So, 
anyway, it's a good story in the book. Though. Oh, I'm sure. I can't wait I to read it. What fictional character would you like to meet the most? True character, like a like a fictional character. Oh, that's a good question. Wow. Mm-hmm. We like oh, to keep you on your toes on the show, dude. Oh, you're doing a good <laughs> job, man. I, I'm 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 flunking the test. I haven't answered one directly. Oh man. Let's see. Well, I like Charlie Bronson. Remember the vigilante? Oh yeah. All right. It, that his character was kind of my hero, like the little, you know, <laughs> didn't take no crap up. I mean, I, you know, does that make any sense? Like, yeah, no, totally does. That totally I, does. I would say something to Star Wars, but I worked at the Chinese theater for two years, and we showed that for two years every night. Star Wars. <laughs> so you know, after two years, you kind of like hey, you, you kind of burn out of it. Yeah, I mean, we all knew every freaking line in the movie because we saw it every night. <laughs> You know, so anyway, so I got burned out. I never watched any more Star Wars, even though I'm sure they're doing well. And, you know, and all that. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think all the right. Star Wars folks are doing OK for themselves. I oh, yeah. I, they don't need my ticket. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with it. I just. No, I think that's awesome, though. You know, it would have been great, you know, if you would have seen it. But you know what? If it's not your cup of tea and you're going, oh, I'm so sick of it being there all the time. There's so many other great films, blah, 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 you know. Well, you know, I'm kind of into I really like true story, movie, like Into the Wild, that type of thing. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, Wonderful. I need mean, that kind of stuff. I mean, I really, you know, John Krakauer, he's my favorite author. He, he writes those kind of things, you know, Pat Tillman story and all that kind of stuff. No, totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Since I, yeah, I write true stories too, as well. So. Of course. What fictional character would you not like to meet? Oh, that's a good one. Ooh, not like. Well, maybe you know. Sometimes you know, you you meet an actor, you really don't know the actor, and you really don't like them, even though you don't know them. You know that Jason Stratham, you know, the British actor. Oh yeah, mm. yeah. All the characters he plays, I I can't stand it. <laughs> So, <laughs> so I don't know if that makes any sense. No, totally makes sense. Totally, totally makes sense. He's a okay, little guy that's... too. I was expecting him to be a big guy or something. Really? I th- I thought he was a big guy. No, he's small. I mean, he... I met with Sylvester Stallone, who was very nice, but he was only about five six or five seven. So you you know yeah you, know, you never know. No, well, movies and TV make people a lot bigger, right? Oh, exactly. well, I met Clint Eastwood, and he looked just like he does in the movies. So he was <laughs> all right. That's my man. <laughs> that's awesome. Did you, did you ever get a chance to meet Charles Bronson? No, I never did. And I, I heard that he lived in Malibu, and there's a dry or some kind of a store that has his picture and his wife. So he must did a lot of business with this some little store in that. Uh, are you familiar with Malibu? Yeah, the Cross Creek uh, Mall, that kind of area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So Charlie must have did a lot of, you know, lived around there, did a lot of business there. You know. Gotcha. No, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Because yeah, Malibu is gorgeous, but yeah, it's yeah, it's out of a my lot opinion. of. Yeah, it's out. It's out of my price range, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was my. That was my, thinking. my blood. My thinking was those people uh, you know, buying a book to them is like me buying a Snickers. You know, I mean, that's why, you know, I couldn't feel guilty about talking to somebody and buying the book. You know? 
No, that totally makes sense. That totally makes sense. Oh, you want to hear a good Bob Dylan story? Or are you still on the geek thing? <laughs> no, keep do, do the Bob Dylan story. This is your segment. We'll always, we'll always hear a Bob Dylan story. Oh, this is a this is a good one. So I'm walking around the Malibu parking lot. You know how I am, I'm relentless. And I, wa- I see this man and I say, hey, sir, do you like to read? And he goes, yeah, yeah, sure. What you got? And I told him about my book. And he's, he's a very nice man. He says, well, I've never met an author before. I'm really happy to meet you, James. I thought, wow, what a guy. You know, <laughs> Makes me, you know, when I get rejected, meet a guy like that, he keeps you going. You know what I mean? So I thought, and he kept saying that, man, well, where do you do your writing? And I said, well, well, you know, wherever I can, you know, in laundromats, wherever, you know, wherever I'm at, in my car, you know, whatever. And we kept, we were walking towards the bookstore and he kept saying, I'm so happy to meet you, James. I thought, Jesus, why can't I meet more people like this guy? You know? And he I finally hit my brain. I go, that's freaking Bob Dylan. You know, you know? I thought, oh my God, it's him. And I thought, wait a minute, don't say anything because he's a nice man. He made... So I said, sir, what kind of work do you do? You know, I thought he's going to say musician or something, right? Mm-hmm. He takes a long pause. And he goes, you know, James, I'm a gardener. So, <laughs> well, there you go. That's a good story. <laughs> Bob Dylan, the gardener. Yeah. Bob I, Dylan, the gardener. Yeah. I mean, I, there's more to the story, but I, you know, I know you're wanting to move on here. Okay. Should we continue with the questions or do you want to go elsewhere? This Sorry, I kind of get carried away and go on tangents sometimes. No, <laughs> no, please. This is awesome. I'm loving this, man. Oh, thanks. Because you don't show a lot of emotion like the other guy. <laughs> the other mic is more, oh, really? Oh, you know, maybe that's your oh. deal. I don't know. I'm just a little, I'm the laid back one, so it's okay. Oh, well, see, I don't know you, so now I figured it out. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, James. Yeah. What is your favorite geek word, phrase, quote? pose boy well i i can tell you which one i hate but we got to do the other one first right no, sure. just do whichever one you want you could do love hidden. this is the one where you could do either love or hate well here's the one i hate more than more than life itself i'm good when people say to you i'm good and i'm like what the hell is that i'm telling somebody about my book no i'm good i'm like how about no thank you? I'm good. You know, dude, I'm good for what? You know, anyway, that's uh, one of the words I hate more than life itself. It is an odd kind of rejection, isn't it? Yeah, it's just like yeah. I'm too good to talk to you or, you know, like what they think I'm going to ask them for money. I don't know what the hell they're th- I guess it's very popular. Everybody says it. You get what I'm saying? I think those millennials just thrive on that word. You know? mm-hmm. No, I'm having a heart attack. No, I'm good. You know, I, are you okay, man? You just yeah. fell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. So yeah, that's one word. I, I was actually on Andy Dick's show once. And uh, and and then Andy hates that word too. And so anyway, we went off on a tangent on that. You know, of course, Andy's had some bad luck lately. So anyway. Yeah, that's very true. That is true. Is there a, is there a phrase that you like? Word? A word that you like? Yeah, other, I'll other buy it. Cool? My book. <laughs> <laughs> he is the constant well, salesman, Mike. Come I on, you know. Know. absolutely. You know, I was on the beach and I was giving out my cards, and I gave a card to this woman, and she looked at the card and she says, "Well, you're not James Bay, the author." And I go, 
why would I be walking on the beach in a hot day, sweating, making a fool of myself all the way down the beach if I'm not James Bailey? And then she just very was skeptical. And I thought, wait a minute. The cop had stopped me in Texas about a year ago, said my brake light was out. And I started arguing with him because I'm very volatile. And anyway, make a long story short, he took my license. He was gone a long time in his car. This is a small town in Texas. So I, I, I know I made a face that the guy was not a good idea. So anyway, he comes back to me. Finally, nice to meet you, Mr. Bailey. I go, what? He looked me up on Google, actor, author, James. And I was all over the freaking Wikipedia. So he wanted my <laughs> autograph. So yeah, so I told that girl, go to Google right now on your phone, blah, blah, blah. And she felt so guilty. She bought it right there on the spot. So there you go. Well, you know, that's a sale. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. That's I feel good all day after that. You know, I can't help myself. Huh? That sale means something and not the money. Just, I don't know. I can't explain it. Well, it's not even the money. It's just the thought. Another one going. This is awesome. This is great. My publisher's going to love me. It's awesome. Well, you know what Mel told me? He said, Jim, the more books you sell, the more interest in a movie. So I always keep that too. Like keep, sell, sell, sell. Don't, don't. And then, and then the Mel says to me, Jim, I don't know how you do it. You, you have such a thick skin. You know, I said, no, I have very thin skin. That makes it more interesting that I do this, even though I'm, I'm very sensitive, but I make myself do it, which is, I think that's a, a lesson for a guy selling something. If he, you know, if he's, you know, l- lacking self-confidence or something, just yeah. make yourself do it. I, mean, I don't care if people are rude. So what? Just go on to the next person. You know, they, they don't sell by themselves. Yeah. I mean, I overdo it, but I can't help myself. So I got an excuse. You know? <laughs> I love it. That is awesome. Hey, you would have been a good actor. Your uh, low-key stuff there. <laughs> no, really, because you underplay, which is good. Uh, trust me, I've been in the movies. You know? Oh, I tried doing the acting thing once. I oh, well, I'll put you I in my did. movie if it gets going. You know? If you buy my you, book. You know? There's always of a- course, if I buy <laughs> the book. <laughs> yeah, I always got a stipulation. You know? So on the audition, I'll have to bring the receipt for buying the book. Got it. And that makes total sense. No, you're gonna, I'm going to email you and say, "Did you get the book?" And then you're going to, I'm going to say, "You're going to say yes." And I says, "I want to see the uh, the copy of Amazon that you bought the book." That's what I, you know. If you're broke, I'll let you slide. Though. Uh, we're all broken in our own way. Yeah, well, or is that or is that more broken, but then broke? But yeah, James, what is your ideal geek occupation? Oh boy, well, give me one of yours. So, give me some mine. Yeah, something to feed me here with. Is it, uh, well, is it an actor? Is it an author? Or... Well, that's a good question. You know, for me, my de- ideal geek occupation would be able to do this full time and actually make money off of it. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, doing what you love and making money. Yeah, I love doing the podcast. I enjoy working with Mike weekly, but we ain't making no money off of it. <laughs> so, well, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, at this point in my life, you know, to be honest, I'm kind of in the last lap of my life. You got to be somewhat realistic, right? So acting is really my thing now. You know, I'm just obsessed True. with acting. No, totally understand. I, that's perfect, actually. Because, you know, my other my other thing I really would love to do is voice acting. So, Oh, you got a good voice. You could do that. 
A lot. Thank you. I appreciate that because a lot of people have told me that it's just finding the time to for classes and training and get the proper stuff for it. But life gets in the way sometimes. Yeah. So it's not so it's not so easy. I was telling Larry uh, Hankin he should do that too. He's got a good voice. Yeah, he, he, he does have a great voice for it. Yeah. You know, I think I think Mel Brooks would be good as a voiceover actor too. You know, <laughs> well, Mel's a genius, man. That guy can do anything. You know, let's be honest. Oh, I know. Comedy genius. Oh, I know. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> what geek occupation would you not like to do? Oh man, I've done every crap job in the world. How <laughs> 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 which one? I'll tell you, the worst job I ever had. Yeah. I'm 30 years old, living in Mobile, Alabama. Washing dishes in a cafeteria. <laughs> Can't get any worse than that. Ooh. There's no end. Wow. The dishes just keep going. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but God bless. The... It was my 30th birthday and I cried. <laughs> but God bless the people that do it, you know, who are out yeah, there slaving yeah. away. Well, yeah, I, I, it depends on your, your age and life, and it depends on your circumstances. You know, if, if life, you know, I had a good-looking girlfriend, and other than all that, no money or anything, it was, anyway. But then about a week later, I got two movies I got put in. So it went from, like, the lowest of the low, and I'm, you know, back on top. I mean, you know, as opposed to being, hanging out in the cafeteria, dish, <laughs> Right, this pan, that's the worst job I had. I've had a lot of terrible jobs, you know. So, okay, James, you ready for your final question? The geek seat. This is for all the marbles, man. All right, I got to deliver. The pressure's on. Oh, yeah, the pressure is on, James. What is your ultimate geek fantasy? You got to give me another example again. You're good at this. So. Oh, okay. My ultimate geek fantasy hmm, would be to have Earth Station One, the movie. Ah, that's or, good. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I'd also like to see a second season of Firefly. I would also like to see... Um, I would actually like to see Mike Gordon come up to 100 issues of tiki zombie and you know it's a fantasy i can dream you know that's good so, yeah so stuff like that i would also like to see you know having a size audience for my podcast the same size mark Marin has you know yeah speaking of mark i see all speaking of sam elliott i met him in malibu oh you're familiar with that story right no tell you don't know about no. sam getting in trouble on that show mark Marin? Oh, I know he got into trouble because oh, right, of right, what right. he what he had said about the uh, movie, yeah. the other movie. Yeah. So anyway, but I met Sam, real nice guy. I gave him one of my books years ago because at that time I didn't have a movie deal. And I thought, ah, you never know. This guy might read the book and think, hey, there's a movie here. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my favorite thing would be my new script's called Lone Wolf. And I met this actor, Charlie Gillespie, who just – this is a good story. He – I. He bought my book. Of course, you know, he was reading a book. You know, once you're reading a book, you're, you, there's no way you're getting away from it, right? So he buys my book, and he's just starting out. He's 19, good-looking guy, I, you know, trying to be an actor. You know how that goes. And I didn't hear from him for a couple of years, and all of a sudden, he's not on Facebook. He's disappeared. And 
I just by chance, I'm watching TV one night, and there's an advertisement for Julie and the Phantoms on Netflix. Charlie's the star. Mm. So you never know. So now me and Charlie are buddies, and he said I could attach his name to the movie script, Lone Wolf, the script that I'm, I sent to HBO. So, yeah, that would be my fantasy. Charlie in the movie, I'm in the movie, Larry's in the movie. You know, that kind of thing. So that's my, which is possible. I mean, I'm, that's what I'm working yeah. on. Yeah. That's I'll put the better. two mics in the movie, too. You could be with a couple of guys on Skid Row. There's a couple. Of... <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Would not be the first time. No, I, I meant that effectually. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, that wow. is awesome. Well, James, I've got some great news for you. You've made it through the Geek Seat. Congratulations, sir. Huzzah, huzzah. Mr. Mike Gordon, tell the young man what he's won. You have won a lifetime subscription to the ESO Network with the, you know what, you know, it's, forget about how much it's worth. Uh, you know, I know all you're interested in is, is how many books can you buy? Well, uh, yeah, you already think, you know how I think. Like, <laughs> it didn't take Absolutely. long, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> James, it's been, it's been so fun having you join us. Um, for, so for all those people listening, how can, other than meeting you in Malibu, how can they buy the book? Go to Amazon and put – well, you can repeat that for me. The Diary of a Manic OCD Bookseller by James Bailey. One book at a time, right? Well, that's kind of the sub thing underneath. And <laughs> Mel Brooks has a great blurb on the back cover, and so does Larry Hankin. And it's only about 10 bucks, and if you're totally broke, it's 99 cents on Kindle. So you know, as long as you get it. And if you read it, my email is jamesjimmy122 at Yahoo if you want to give me some feedback or whatever, you know. Awesome. That's yeah. good to know. Okay. So at the, as far as the link for the Amazon book itself, we will have a link in our show notes so that people can just I click on it, that. go right there, and, and check it out. I appreciate Exactly. And, and there's a very pretty butterfly on the cover. Yeah, that was actually my idea because we're all kind of trapped, right? We're trying to get out. That was my logic there. Yeah. Very well done. I'm trying Very to get well out. If I keep selling books, I'll get out. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck to you, sir. Thank no, you so much. No, I don't like you. that luck word, man. Oh, well. It's in my book. Make your own luck. Best Make wishes. your own luck, right? Because luck has a connotation that you're not working, you know. Good. That's yeah. a, you know what? That's a good thing. Good thing. It's in my so book. Best wishes <laughs> to you, sir. <laughs> so. Best wishes to you in the future, my friend. And okay. here's to the well, upcoming movie. Well, you bring me movie. good wishes if you get my book. I haven't. I just put it into my shopping cart on Amazon. All right, man. You're you're my friend for life if you get my book. I put this in my book. You can pee in my face. I don't care if you buy my book. We're friends forever. You know. So there you, <laughs> well, there you go. True story. Well, there you go. <laughs> That'll be the highlight of this episode. I think we'll call it. That. <laughs> you can pee in my face. There you well, go. Well, it actually happened to me. It was in my first book. I was at a drunk tank in Louisiana. And I didn't know how I got there, and some butt wipe was peeing on my face and I was too hungover to move. I just let it pee on my face. So anyway, <laughs> so I quit drinking eventually. So <laughs> it worked out. <laughs> that'll, that'll do it. Yeah. That'll like do what it. the hell? <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh, that oh, is awesome. Funny. Made, me, made me laugh and give me some humor. here. I was feeling down today. <laughs> See, I'm glad we could humor you. You humored us. It's a win-win situation for us all. Good, good. That is that is awesome. Well, let's take a quick break, and we are going to be back in a moment 
And we're going to be talking all about the new Harry Potter universe film, Fantastic Beast, The Secrets of Dumbledore. Hey, everybody. Michelle here. Iconic Rock Talk Show moment. Each year, the Library of Congress releases a list of 25 audio recordings that it deems culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant and or inform or reflect life in the United States for inclusion in the National Recording Registry. They have just released the list for this year, and I am chuffed, chuffed, I tell you about it, because they have included Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, and I think it's a brilliant choice. Some of the other recordings on this year's list, um, Ernest Tubb, Walking the Floor Over You, iconic country song from 41, uh, the Disneyland Boys Choir, It's a Small World, Four Tops, Reach Out, I'll Be There, Journey, Don't Stop Believing, Linda Ronstadt, Canciones de Mi Padre, uh, Ricky Martin, Living La Vida Loca, and because it includes all forms of audio recording, uh, the WNYC broadcasts covering 9-11, and from April 8th, 1974, WSB's coverage of Hank Aaron's 715th home run. If you would like to see the entire list and read some of the uh, information about each one, you can do that at loc.gov. And another class will be inducted soon. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame fan vote wraps up on the 29th. So the announcement of the class should be first week of May. And we will bring you coverage of that here on the ESO podcast. Go and vote while you still got time. And we'll find out who's in in just a couple weeks. We'll catch you next time. Comic-Cons are back. Fans are ready. Hear all about it on The Con Guy Show, where we keep you up to date on all the events, the movies, the people, and the conventions that drive your passions and feed your fandom. Straight from the nerdy heart of Hollywood, California, we are proud members of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. If you listen carefully enough, the past whispers to you. We're here to see Albus Dumbledore. That would be my brother. The world as we know it is coming undone. Grindelwald is pulling it apart with hate. If we're to defeat him, you'll have to trust me. This is the team that's going to take down the most dangerous wizard in over a century. A magizoologist, his indispensable assistant. A wizard descended from a very old family, a school teacher, and a muggle. Dumbledore asked that I give you something, Jacob. Are you kidding me right now? Who wouldn't like our chances? To save the world, are we? Things are not quite what they appear.
swivel, but delicately. I'm swiveling like you're swiveling. points to Hufflepuff. Can I? Mm-mm. Very dangerous. It's very powerful. We've got in the wrong hands, you know. Messed you up. Where did you get it? Look out for Christmas. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it is time to do our movie review segment. And we are looking at Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, the third part of, I guess, you know, the Fantastic Beasts run. And we got a great crew here to talk about it tonight. Of course, we have our movie gal, box office buzz herself, Ashley Pauls. Welcome. Hello. Feels like it's been a little bit since I've been on the podcast, so it's nice to return. Well, I think, you know, it's been a bit because, you know, you kept on demanding this vacation time and, you know. I know. I'm sa- I'm sorry. I had to go to Disney World, but now I'm back and returned to my um, regular humdrum life. So <laughs> it's good to go to the movies to escape from all that sometimes. I'm sure it is. And it's great to have you back, Ashley. Thank you. And filling in for Alex Autry tonight, we actually have Mark Heffernan is here. Hello, it's uh, great to be here. I was actually, I actually was on the ESO uh, episode when you guys reviewed the very first Fantastic Beast way back in 2016. So, gosh, kind of missed. Wow, six years already. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. When you do a podcast this long, I guess that's what happens. You know? <laughs> but it's like, been gosh, six, six years. Six years. To, six years since the first one came out. That's pretty amazing. And if we didn't say it at the beginning of the show, we are going to spoil the hell out of this movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, hit pause, take a break, because we're going to be talking all about this one. Um, Let's dive in with both feet. Alex usually gives the figures for the box office. And Mark, since you're filling in for Alex, you know, you get to uh, talk about it it didn't do as well as they were hoping this year. No, it made, uh, it did finish in first place. There was some question as to whether or not it was actually going to finish in first place. They thought Sonic the Hedgehog 2 might beat it, Uh, but it did finish in first place in the United States. Uh, It made 43 million. Uh, To give you a comparison, the second film made 62 million. So there was a major drop there. Um, Overall, worldwide, it's made $193 million, so it's actually making more money overseas than it is here in the U.S. Um, you know, there's been a lot of speculation as to why it's making less money than the other films. Uh, you know, some, some say it's because of the boycotts, you know, whether that's 
because of J.K. Rowling's business or uh, because they fired Johnny Depp. I mean, it's all, I mean, or even uh, Ezra Miller was in the news recently about something, um, you know, but I think part of what it is, is the, there was a long break between the films, three and a half years. That's I think a lo- that's a long time to go between sequels. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, even the original Star Wars films back in the 70s and these the prequel films, I mean, it was every three years. I mean, three and a half years is a long mm-hmm. time for a sequel. And especially when you've got something like Marvel, where they're putting out new product all the time. And even DC is putting out new product all the time, both on the movies and TV. So I think three and a half years is a long time without any new product at all so it doesn't really surprise me and let's be honest some of the people did not like the second film and probably tapped out you know i think there was a lot of people that just tapped out of this so it'd be interesting to discuss that yeah that's a good point mark because yeah these these three movies have not gotten the best press or Mm -hmm. the best reviews because a lot of them wanted them to capture the feel and wonder of the Harry Potter movies. And there was no way they could because, you know, those are children's books and those Mm -hmm. were based towards children. These are more adult themed stories. And what they were, I think partly they were hoping is the kids who grew up with Harry Potter are now mature and want to see more stories in that universe. And, I'm not sure that's there. I feel like prequels are always risky too, and that you're going back in time and then trying to have these new stories fit into the tight timeline so that they all will eventually flow into the Harry Potter uh, stories and everything will make sense and fit together. No, especially since it's such a different setting. Like you don't see a lot of Hogwarts either. And I think that's what a lot of people have nostalgia for so i think you have the challenge of people comparing it to the original harry potter films and also expecting something new and then it's not really based on anything in particular like the harry potter movies had the books to go off of but this is more i believe it was based on like a standalone book called fantastic beast that was more of like a guide to magical creatures so you have this story that's not necessarily based on a set series of books like the original harry potter movies were exactly this was based off of the one standalone short book that was the fantastic beast written by newt scaramanger and you know so newt is was supposed to be the focal character in these movies and starting with the second movie they went away from that and made it more a dumbledore movie (laughs) and you know it was and i think that also part was a thing that they think they they didn't count on properly i think in a lot of ways i think it's kind of tough when you're looking at it the first film was kind of like the way i kind of put it is is it's kind of like a a pokemon thing with the fantastic (laughs) beats gotta catch them all yeah yep type thing uh you know where you know and it was kind of fun there was some darker stuff in it but it was really just kind of a fun little romp in new york the second film got a lot darker and focused more heavily on the the eventual dumbledore grindelwald face-off that is supposed to happen and i'm not sure those are the two best things to try and fit 
together in some ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the first film, like I said, was a lot of fun. You know, it you, it wasn't really super serious. There were some serious moments in it, like I said, but the second and third films were definitely a lot different. And you have to one kind of wonder, you know, was it did did they fit in the original Fantastic Beast crew into that type of story very well? You know, and I'm not sure that they did. I, I just don't think they were two things that fit together mm-hmm. too great. You know, I think it would have been better if they wanted to do a Fantastic Beast one to focus on Newt and his adventures with the Fantastic Beast rather than and have the Gellert Grindelwald Dumbledore showdown as a completely separate series, if that's what they wanted to do. It could have even been taking place during the same era. And <laughs> and I did love, you know, especially in the first couple, I love seeing that era because it was the late 20s into the early 1930s that we've seen so far. And to see, you know, because in the Harry Potter movies, all you got to see was London. And then mm-hmm. you basically got to see, you know, the school. And, you know, it was great to you know, see those two locations and, you know, you got to see Privet Lane and all that kind of, you know, the suburbs where Harry Potter lived and then wherever the, you know, Weasleys lived. And, but this, they broadened the world and they went to America. And I thought that was a neat thing because it was neat to see how different the wizard world was in the United States (laughs) than it was in the UK. And it was, it was pretty fascinating in a lot of ways and i thought they were going to play more on that throughout this whole series but they didn't they well they've explored the world more because in the second movie they were in paris and in this one they were in germany and then eventually in bhutan Mm -hmm. exactly at the end of the film so they did explore the world a bit more but you know some of it I'll be honest especially some of the stuff in Berlin it really felt like it was just dragging there a little bit I'll mm-hmm. be honest uh, especially the one scene where uh Thesis who's Newt Scamander's brother gets kidnapped and they have to go rescue him I'm like why is this even in the film it it just it felt like such a waste of time well not just that it was very scary compared to you know this is not a kid's film this this is not a children's movie. I wouldn't take a kid like five or six years old to see something like this. And it's just, it's, you know, and that's what I would want from a Harry Potter movie. Yeah, there were scary things in it, but it was kid scary. And, mm-hmm. you know, but, and even, you know, I remember because my son grew up with the Harry Potter books and the movies, you know, because... I started reading the books, the first book when William was like five or six. And I literally read through the whole series with him. And as we read it and he got older, you know, by the time I think like the the sixth or seventh book came out, he was reading them himself by that point because he was a mid teenager and you know what teenager wants your dad reading in the voices of all the you know of all the characters to you know even though i would have done it you know but he would have just rolled his eyes the whole time but but this is to a whole different level and everything yeah you know 
Voldemort was scary. What they did in that final book was scary. Mm-hmm. And but it was still not to the level of what happened in this movie where this giant scorpion type thing was in the prison and literally taking stabbing prisoners through the chest pulling them down into the pit and you know melting them with acid and then throwing their body parts up that was just that was for me who's old you know that was even scary you know (laughs) like this is not alien like no exactly (laughs) And everything. And I just, I did not think it was, it. I think they're missing the mark with this. I really do. And I think that gets into why the popularity has dropped with these. It's also interesting that uh, if you look at the box office report, they said the biggest audiences for the film were women over 25 and men over 25. So in other words, it's not even appealing to kids right now. Mm -mm. No, not at all. And that's the sad part about it. Kids, you know, kids in their, you know, who are like seven years old, eight years old, doesn't know what an assassin is or what an assassination Mm -hmm. attempt is. And, you know, and brainwashing and, killing the little bambi type dragon character you know oh that was traumatic too it's like as soon as that happens like okay grindelwald you he's gotta die so (laughs) that is a line too far like that adorable little creature did not deserve that yeah but and you know and don't get me wrong i actually liked this movie and i'm just getting the bitching out of the way first so then we can get into a lot of the praising for this movie and that's you know so i've got about at least 20 minutes more bitching no just kidding (laughs) (laughs) but no um it was it was a very well done movie and i think they made some very good you know choices especially some of the new actors they brought in and you know i would have liked to have seen an explanation you know I don't mind them changing actors on any film or anything. And uh, Matt Michelson was fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. He was awesome. And I liked him more in this role uh, than I liked Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp just didn't make sense in a lot of ways. And, you know, I could never see the connection between him and Jude Law's Dumbledore. In in this movie, I could, and him as Grindelwald was just awesome. I would have liked to have seen though a scene where he 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 transforms his body, you know, does a spell on himself, as you know, if mm-hmm. they could have even gotten like a Doctor Who type thing, where they couldn't get Colin Baker, so they put Johnny Depp in a wig, or you know, or somebody who looks like Johnny Depp in a wig to make him look like it, and then transform into Matt. It would have been great. You know, I would have also been interested to see a flashback of like um, some snatches of uh, Dumbledore and Grindelwald when they were young and things like that. I'm kind of surprised that they didn't. I was expecting them to kind of intersperse some like, okay, this is how they started out and then this is where they are now. No, I, I agree completely with that. I think there was a lot of missed opportunities. One of my biggest missed opportunities was with Queenie and Credence 
now in this film they seem very disillusioned with Grindelwald. You know, they joined Grindelwald at the end of the last film. Mm-hmm. Now they seem very disillusioned with Grindelwald. So what turned them that way? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know several years have passed since the last film. You know, I think it was supposed to be actually three or four years. This is supposed to be early 30s now. So what what made them that way? They The film never really explained that in in a good way. You know, I it, they just they just were that way at this point, you know, that they didn't care as much about being in Grindelwald's crew, I guess is a good, good way to put it. You know, I, I would have liked a bit more exploration of that. And mm-hmm. You just didn't really get it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And especially Credence who, you know, I'm going to kill Dumbledore, you know, that type of thing. And because I am a Dumbledore and, you know, it. But, you know, like in the first movie, well, actually movie number two, they didn't explain that all that much. You know, they said, you're a Dumbledore, blah, blah, blah. But they didn't say how he was related, if he was Mm -hmm. a brother, if he was a son. They didn't say anything to that. And then all of a sudden they threw it in in this movie and you're just supposed to go, oh, okay, you know, type thing. Because they introduced... Uh, Dumbledore's brother in the original series and you know they he 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 was a fairly major character especially in the seventh book and so it was interesting to see that even back when this period they still were bitter towards each other Mm -hmm. and then to find out that he had the son which ended up you know being out of nowhere. And that was another thing, but I agree completely about the disillusionment with the two characters with Queenie. And it was just, it was just real interesting about that. And I wish they could have gone more into that. And I don't know. It was just, it was almost like, it almost felt like they had like this grand story and they pushed it like, Oh wait, we can't do a three hour movie. We've got to push it down Mm -hmm. into two hours and 10 minutes or whatever it was. And credence, you know, the whole thing, you know, going after Dumbledore and then, Oh, he's dying. What? (laughs) You know, it's like, there was a lot of that in the film where just things pop up. Oh, suddenly credence is dying. And you're like, well, what built up to that? And it just wasn't there. You know, you just had to accept it, that that's what was happening. You know, and then, of course, you know, I really feel like the original four characters were really getting pushed into the background to focus on Grindelwald and Dumbledore in some ways. Even Newt kind of felt like a supporting character to Dumbledore in some ways, you know. I think he had more screen time, but that I think was just because he's the top billed uh, person. I think Dumbledore was the main character along with uh, Grindelwald in some ways, you know. Well, I agree with that. Go ahead, Ashley. I was just going to say, as I um, was walking out of the theater, I found myself wondering what this would have been like as an 
mini series instead of a movie. I think maybe that would have even helped the story breathe more if they had, I can't even remember back in 2016. I don't think that HBO max was a thing, but looking back now, if they had done fantastic beasts as a mini series might've even worked better and given some of these stories more time for them to chew on them and expand them out. No, I agree with that completely. And it's interesting too, because you, it was very rushed and one of the things they showed in the commercial, they showed the older Dumbledore, you know, reviewing memories. He was, you know, pulling and everything. I'm sure they took it as found footage from the original series. But wouldn't it have been kind of cool if they did something like that to open the movie that it was mm, Dumbledore, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, remembering that what what happened and everything. And that would have actually made a little better narrative for this whole mm-hmm. thing and everything. And it was like, like I said earlier, I felt like it was rushed. I felt like just all the stories, all the main characters, the whole thing with the wand and the muggle, it was like, didn't make sense at all. You know, other than the one scene where he was trying to assassinate, you know, Grindelwald and everything. He didn't really, you know, he like, hey, kids, look, I got a wand, you know, you know, when he was at when they were at Hogwarts and everything. But it was just like, it was just like, eh, eh, really? So I don't know. I did, you know, but it was, I liked seeing the characters. I loved that, you know, you had, you know, you had so many, this almost felt in some ways, especially Grindelwald's army and how they were, it felt very Nazism. Judy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Judy actually brought that up, that they felt very Gestapo type thing, you know, the black trench coats and the people in the corners. And, you know, you almost thought they were going to try to track down Indiana Jones or something, you know, and it was, it was just really, the symbolism was there for that. And they were like five years early for it, but you know, it was still interesting to see with it. So it was, it was, it was some really cool stuff though. I loved, you know, I loved seeing the magical world. That Mm -hmm. was awesome. I loved seeing Germany. I loved seeing, you know, more of how wizards, you know, keep are in plain sight, but still out of sight to the muggles. And it was, it was a really neat, way to do it in this and then you know the whole thing with the voting at the end and everything and i thought you know there they had a lot of promise and i just don't know if it lived up to it and everything mark what do you think well i think as far as the voting part at the end i think i think this is where they kind of felt like we need to add a fantastic beast since it's, the show is called fantastic beast Let's have the, you know, beast decide who's who the next leader is going to be. And just personally, I had a little bit of trouble swallowing that a little bit um, myself. Uh, I'm not sure I would want to just 
allow a beast to pick the next leader of the whole wizarding world. So that was something that troubled me a little bit. But oddly enough, I was finally glad that we got to the point where we're getting to the end because it took a while to get there. I think it says a lot when about two thirds of the way through the film, I actually looked at my phone to see how much time was left. That tells me that there was some draggy parts in it. Yeah. Because you know, normally, no, normally I don't look at my phone, you know, while I'm watching a film. I mean, even with the Batman, I didn't look at my phone to see, well, when is this going to end? You know, and I thought that one was a little long too, but, you know, even so, I still didn't look at my phone. This one I did, which I don't normally do. No. I, I was the same way. I noticed Judy had done it quite a few times during the movie, but, but yeah, I, I tried to be good about it and, you know, and I only looked, I think there was 20 minutes left. It was like, they've got a lot of things to cover before <laughs> this is up. And it was interesting too. I, you know, of course the rumors had been, you know, about, Dumbledore sexuality and, you know, stuff like that. And I have no problem with that. I have nothing wrong with that, that, you know, love whoever you want to be in love with and have feelings for that. That's not a problem. I don't mind that at all, but just, you know, it almost felt like in this, they made it too much of a focal point where they had so much other story to talk about in this. I might be wrong, but. That's just what I feel. I feel like, again, as um, we've said so far, there's a lot of story packed into a small amount of time. I, um, Overall, I would say that I did enjoy the experience of watching this movie. I liked it a lot better than the second one. But yeah, like we said, there are definitely, I think, some things they could have done better. And overall, this doesn't have the same like direction and heart and cohesiveness as the Harry Potter series. I did feel appreciate that they focused a little on some of the fantastic beasts. I can't even remember if how many fantastic beasts were in the second one, if there were any interesting ones. So I did enjoy that they brought that back. Um, I kind of liked the plan about the different cases, like kind of keeping that as a mystery. Until um, the end, I thought that was kind of interesting. And then I I really like um, what they did with Jacob Kowalski. He's probably my favorite character in the franchise. I just think it's fun that there's a muggle that he gets to go on this adventure and that he has things that he can contribute to, even though he doesn't have magic himself. And it was nice of him to have a happy ending, even though I feel like maybe, again, that was a little rushed. Like Queenie's probably done some bad stuff like in service of Grindelwald. And so it feels like that would be a lot for her to just like jump back to her old life. So it would have been nice to see more of her transition out of that as well. I have to kind of wonder since the studio is kind of hemming and hawing on whether or not they're going to make the other two films. It's supposed to be, it was when it was originally started, they mentioned five films I'm wondering if the studio kind of said, well, you kind of need to wrap things up a little bit. And maybe that was part of the reason why some of this stuff felt rushed. Yeah, that's I would a, not That's a be good possibility. Yeah. No, I agree. 
Completely. And it's interesting, too, because, like you said, it did feel very rushed. Very, but it had an ending to it where, okay, this could be the ending. You know, there is supposed to be, and they had talked about it in the original books, about the battle between Dumbledore and Grindelwald. And it was just interesting. You know, I didn't think that what we saw was the end all to get all battle between the two of them. So, I do appreciate that they gave us kind of an ending because that's one of the worst things. Like if there's a TV series you watch and then it gets canceled and you're like, well, I guess there was no ending. So I'm kind of glad that they did leave it at this point in case this is all the story we get. But I think there would be room to have a super epic battle between Dumbledore and Grindelwald now that they actually can move against each other. I think there's some interesting stuff they could do with that. I mm-hmm. think if they're going to do that, I would like to actually see the maybe the original Fantastic Beast crew. I feel their story's kind of done. Mm-hmm. Is maybe just focus on Grindelwald and Dumbledore, yeah. and not have the rest of the Fantastic Beast crew mm-hmm. in there because I feel their story's kind of done. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, because well, you don't. I don't care if we see anything more with you know you know, some of the other characters, because it's just like, yeah, there's some good things about it. But, you know, to see Jacob again, I don't, I don't think we need to see any of them. I don't do, you know, we saw what's her name in for like Tina for 10 seconds at the end of the film. You know, do we want to see, see her again? Why wasn't she in this film? Make it even more crowded, you know, so <laughs> Well, I kind of feel like Lally, she was one of the newer characters. I think you, if you had taken her out and stick it, stuck Tina in her place, it would have played pretty much the same. I kind of wonder if Catherine Waterston, I think is the name of the actress, uh, I'm wondering if she took a step back in this film and she had kind of maybe just agreed to the cameo and that's how we've got the new character of Lally, who I thought was actually not bad. No, I thought she was, she was one actually of the pretty new, good. She was one of the new characters I actually really liked. I liked her too. Yeah. So, but I mean, you could take her out and put Tina in there and mm-hmm. it kind of, the movie itself kind of plays the same. So that's the reason I kind of wonder if that was just one of those things. Catherine wasn't interested in continuing much with the role or maybe she had conflicts maybe she had another project she was working on so they created this new character to kind of take her place and i thought it was fine uh, at least she showed up at the end and i think that was nice it's like how dare she leave you know not be with her sister at her, you know yes. at her wedding you know <laughs> that would have been kind of like oh she's on secret mission that we can't talk about Wink yeah <laughs> you know. well that's ha- that's happened with other projects as mm-hmm. well so you know where uh, an actress is an actor an actress isn't available and they just say well they're off somewhere else doing something else that's the reason they're not here so I, at least she showed up for a few minutes so true very very true what did you guys think of jude law as dumbledore I really like Jude Law as Dumbledore. I mean, we can discuss whether or not these movies should have even had Dumbledore in them because he kind of does like he's such a presence, like he's going to take over the story. But I thought that Jude Law was an interesting choice and um, just getting to see a younger version of Dumbledore in his prime was interesting. 
Agreed. I liked I, I I liked Jude Law's uh, Dumbledore. I thought he was fine. I liked I liked his uh, you know his uh, you know what do you call it uh, relationship with Mads Mikkelsen as uh, you know Grindelwald. I thought that played out pretty well. I thought the opening scene between the two of them was really good. Um, you know, so I, I I liked Jude Law's Dumbledore. I thought he was he, I thought he was fine. So he he was definitely one of the better actors in the film. Not very much so. I like how they had the little uh, cameo of um, Professor McGonagall even in this. Yes. Yeah, that was uh, fun. And that was kind of cute. It was like, yes, Minerva. I was like, oh, I went to that's, that's <laughs> mm-hmm. Professor McGonagall. That's right. <laughs> so it was like, and she just rolled her eyes at me because, you know, I had to geek out. And she was just like, I'm I'm at this movie. It's okay. You know, (laughs) (laughs) just how much longer, you know, but yeah, it was, it was very interesting to see. And in this movie, I think the winner of everything in it is the scenery and the set directors and the Mm -hmm. cinematography made this movie for me uh, more than any character at all from the very first time you got to see Newt and he was in the jungle and trying to, you know, see the birth of the babies and everything, um, all the way to Germany. And then the village at the end, it was just amazing. And then even Hogwarts. And, you know, as soon as they appeared and they, you saw the castle across the lake and they played the dun, 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 and you were like, Oh, Ah, this is awesome. You know, that alone was worth to see the movie. Mm -hmm. But I was the same way when I was at Universal Studios and I saw the castle for the first time and I had that same song playing in my head. So it was okay. So it was interesting. So, you know, but it was, it was a fun, I keep on coming back and saying I wanted it to be fun. I keep on saying fun, but was it fun? That's the question. I would say that I had fun watching it again. Like it's not as good to me as the Harry Potter movies, but I, the second one was really meh for me. So I enjoyed this one more than that. And then it's always fun to treat yourself to a night out in the movies and it looked cool on IMAX. So I feel like I had, I had a good time. Whoa, you splurged for IMAX? That's awesome. I have to confess, <laughs> I promise this is not a paid ad for AMC's A-list, but if you're a member, you can see any showing of any movie you want at any time in any format. So I go to see basically everything in IMAX just because I can. I went to see Death on the Nile in IMAX. If they have Downton Abbey and New Era in IMAX, I'll go see it then too. So, I mean, the exact opposite. I went to a... Uh... I went to a 12 noon show on Easter that was like $7 and some odd cents. And nothing wrong <laughs> and it, with that. And it's just regular old 2D. No IMAX, no nothing special. There's nothing wrong with that. It's interesting because I have to agree with what Ashley said. This was a lot more fun than the last one. The last one, I think we all said when we watched it, we were like, kind of depressed you know that was Mm -hmm. just like wow what a movie but this this one was 
it ended positively. There was a mm-hmm. lot of cool stuff because there was like there was no way they were going to let Grindelwald win the election. You know, some mm-hmm. you knew they were going to pull something out of the hat, especially when you didn't see the next briefcase. You yeah. know, yet and everything. Oh, it's all hopeless. It's all and it's like ah, wait, there's one more, <laughs> and it was awesome. It definitely had more of an adventure type feel. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, you know, but like, again, rushed. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just rushed. So I definitely, how would, let's do a rating. We haven't done one of those a bit when we've done our movies. We've just done, oh, we like it or we don't like it. But let's do one out of five stars. One being the worst, five being the best. I'm going to let Ashley go first. Oh, man. Going first, so much pressure. Um, My gut is to say maybe three and a half. Like, I felt like I had a a good time, but it's probably not going to be my favorite movie this year. So, yeah, kind of above average middle middle range there. Okay. Mark? I'm going to go, if it's out of five, two and a half, it's right in the middle. It's... Some parts of it are good. Some parts of it I didn't like. It's it's better than the second one, but the second one wasn't very good, so that's not saying a lot. Uh, I think of the three films, I think the first one's definitely still the best by far. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to give it a solid three. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. I just wish it was more spread out. And do I think, you know, would I watch this again if it's on TNT or something or, you know, one of the streaming channels, you know, not starting from the beginning. But if I like coming across it and it's playing, I'll watch it, but I won't go out of my way to probably watch this one again. And, you know, sorry to say that because I like the franchise, Harry Potter as a general and I like what they were coming up with and the process. I just wish they would have continued from the first film with that. So, all right. Now the big question before we get out of here, do we think they're going to continue the series? Cause originally they had said there were supposed to be five films. This is number three and it's not doing so hot right now at the box office. I feel like it's inevitable that we will get more Harry Potter IP content, but I don't know that we'll see this series continue. I could very easily see them being like, okay, this is a trilogy. We've kind of given it an ending here. And then like five years or something, they might try something new. I still would like to see um, one of the Harry Potter spinoff series that I've always kind of hoped for is a mischief managed type series with like Harry Potter's parents as kids, like young Snape. I think that would be really interesting to see. So I don't know if anybody else is interested in that or not, but if they're, if Warner brothers, if you're listening to this podcast and looking for ideas, I would love to see that. So. Well, of course they're listening. Hello. Everybody listens to the show, especially, <laughs> especially when Ashley's on. So. so, all right, Mark, what do you think? I think, uh, to be honest, I'm good with it ending now. I don't think the, I I mean, they might make the next two films. I might, I'd probably go watch them, but I'm good with the way it is right now. Um, As far as future content, 
I'll be honest. I think the one that uh, Warner Brothers is going to look at, if they really want to have a big film in the Harry Potter franchise, they're going to try. I, I know they said they're not interested, but my guess is Warner Brothers is probably going to look at, can we convince mm-hmm. them to come back and yeah. talk to us a child? I was just looking at the webpage for that. And I know, of course, you know, Harry himself said, you know, he will not come back. He doesn't want to come back for it because they had already started pre-production for the movie. And a few of the other cast members, of course, said, oh, yeah, we'll be back for it. I definitely would want to to do it. But, you know, Daniel was like, no, I'm I'm fine. I've played Harry Potter. I don't have any <laughs> bad feelings about it or anything like that. I just I don't want to go back to it. And it's understandable. Instead, he went to go play Weird Al. It's perfect. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So it's it's very interesting to see. Uh, if you ever do get a chance, folks, and you go to New York or London to go see Harry Potter on, you know, the go see the play, it is amazing. It is truly, truly amazing. So I definitely would recommend doing that. So it's you know supposed to be you know touring but i, I can't see how they're going to make a touring version mm-hmm. of it there's just so much effects and so much the theater has to almost be was almost had to be built around what they were doing so it's just it, it's pretty cool though so definitely check that out and you know folks we definitely would love to hear from you guys what did you guys think of the movie please write us feedback at earthstation1.com and, you know, let us know what you guys thought. Were we off our rockers or were we right on tea and swinging around on our broomsticks? So it's pretty cool. Until then, let's take a quick break and we'll be back with the creative outlet. The Soul Forge podcast is all about life, the universe, and everything. Is it good for kids? Oh no, it's not good for kids. Is it geeky? Oh, it can be geeky, but it can also be serious. We talk about life, sex, dating, and mental health, and so much more. Where can you find the Soul Forge podcast? You can find it everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Amazon Music, and the ESO Network. Welcome back. Now it's time for the Creative Outlet segment, and we're back here with an old friend of the show, Richard Yule. Welcome, my friend. Mike and Mike, thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much. So, uh, so what have you been up to? <laughs> um, nothing. I mean, you know, I've got two podcasts again. I've got, uh, you know, other stuff. And we have uh, FrankenCon coming up. FrankenCon. So Yes, it's in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, right outside of Knoxville, Tennessee, attached to the McGee-Tyson Airport. We are going to be uh, live at uh, the Knoxville Hilton Airport. So it's a hotel con, which those are always fun. And uh, Saturday the 14th, wasn't that a movie? Uh, I think so. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it was. Two movies. Two. I think. I think there's Saturday the 14th Strikes Back, I think was one. Gotcha. Um, yeah, how, yeah. How much, that did that, actually... how much did that play into your marketing, your plan? So, 
So the plan, so last year we did a, um, a, an evening with Felissa Rose, who is from uh, Sleepaway Camp. She plays Angela, obviously. And uh, we did that at a, at a, a cool pub bar here in Maryville. And it sold out at 100 tickets. And so I was like, we need to do this again. So I was like, wouldn't it be cool to do a Friday the 13th theme? Like on Friday the 13th show, like have some people from the movie and all that, like, you know, crazy original, right? But so I looked up the Friday the 13th in 2022 and it was May 13th. Um, well, it turned out it's much harder to do like an evening with and when you're bringing in people and yeah, paying yeah. for airplane tickets, stuff like that. So when it, it kind of evolved into, well, let's do a con and then we'll do our VIP event at night. So that's what happened. And I said, well, why not the 14th? Because <laughs> <laughs> it was the day after I, when I had already said <laughs> It's so it's Saturday, May the fourteenth. It is in uh, where's it at again? It's just outside of Nashville. Is that correct? Knoxville. Knoxville. So, Knoxville. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, sorry. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're okay. No, so Knoxville, Tennessee. He, it, hey, so it's hey, Richard. At least he's, Richard. He's in the right state. At least this is a good uh, thing right. for Mike. I, I mean, I. I, I'm concerned, Mike. You're setting up at the show, so I want you at the right place. <laughs> yeah, shoo. I uh, and I'll have to change my hotel reservation now. <laughs> um, okay, so yeah, it's Knoxville, Tennessee. It's it's the Knoxville Airport, but it's located in Alcoa, Tennessee, technically. So you know how airports do sometimes, right? But uh, yeah, you find McGee Tyson Airport. It's the Hilton that connects to it. Um, it's Saturday, May 14th, like you said. Uh, VIP starts at 9.30. General admission starts at 10. We go till 5.30, and then the VIP kicks off at 6. Now, unfortunately, I keep saying VIP, but that's been sold out for about four months now. So VIP is sold out. General admission is not sold out. General admission will be available at the door, and you can meet. You will have the opportunity to meet all the guests, including Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy the Mail Girl, who are two, you know, the two big ones that everybody's really excited about, along with our Nightmare Two reunion. But you get all that with your general admission. You get the opportunity to meet with them, talk with them, get their autograph. And we have over 50 vendors and we're located in a hotel, like I said. So we have a ton of stuff going on. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, it's hard to believe this is all just happening in one day. So that was the other thing we, we thought, well, let's just do a one day con. And it turns out nobody does a one day con and there's usually reasons why. Like it's very, it was probably harder to do a one day con than a, than a three day con, to be honest. Um, just logistics in general. Um, but we're, we're happy it's a one day con. Uh, we're going to go to a multiple day con the next time we do this so that people don't have to worry there. But I like the fact that it's one crazy day and then we can all party at the end. Wow, he's already planning for another one. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is a glutton so, for punishment, folks. He really is. Yeah. So we were in kind of deep plannings for the second one. And 
finally we kind of uh, so it's not just me so it's it, it, it's me and my um well friends now business partners we formed madcap three entertainment and it's with Corey keelan and my buddy matt uh matt henry so they're just really cool guys i couldn't do this without them and i wouldn't want to do it without them so all three, it takes a village, right? I mean, it really has taken all three of us to, to put this thing together. Uh, Matt made us a great website at frankencontn.com. It's, I mean, it, it's, it has all the information you need that involves us. Absolutely. Even uh, it goes as far as, to, so if people want to plan their photo ops, signatures, and whatnot in advance. It even tells them all the pricing of that. So that's really cool to have that too. Absolutely. We got with the talent and we um, we were able to get their autograph prices and their selfie prices. And we've got photo professional photo ops that are going to be printed off that day. So you could you can go get your picture and then have the the talent sign it. Oh, no. You know, so that's, that's really, that's a cool thing for that I think is happening. Um, so I guess I'll just run down the, um, all the celebrity guests because sure. we have a crazy list of guests. Uh, like I said, Joe Bob Briggs and Darcy, the male girl there. It's the hottest show on shutter, hottest streaming show for horror, especially Joe Bob Briggs is a legend and uh, Darcy, the male girl brings the fun uh, on the last drive in. Um, so they will be uh signing selling merchandise and all that good stuff we have a nightmare part two reunion so we have mark Patton, kim myers and director jack shoulder they will all be there uh, signing and doing selfies the only way you can get their photo all three of them together is to do the photo op so i implore you to do that uh john dugan everybody's favorite grandpa from texas chainsaw massacre will be there and uh, his photo op is really cool. So you can meet him and all that for general admission. And then if you want to do a photo op, we're going to have a Leatherface cosplayer with a, the dinner scene set up. And then John will be there. So we're going to have a table and we're going to have a chair that you sit in and they'll pretend to whack you over the head with it or, you know, with a hammer. So uh, that's really cool. John's an awesome guy. And uh, everybody loves John. Uh, we have Brian Brimmer, and he is from Pumpkinhead, uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, Part 5, The Toymaker, and uh, Cult Classic Society. Uh, he doesn't do as many um, conventions, so we're really proud to have him. Uh, and he's going to be a blast. Um, and a good opportunity for people to, to meet him. Uh, we have Nigel Bach, who this is his first convention. He did the Bad Ben franchise, which has nine films and a tenth one on the way. So Bad Ben is a paranormal activity kind of uh, story. It's a, Most of the movies are available on Tubi, so check those out. Nigel has been amazing to us. We've had him on some of our lives on Facebook and he's just hilarious. So he's great. He's actually signing for free. He's bringing 111 by 17 posters that he's signing and giving away for free. 
until they're gone. So wow. that's really awesome. Um, we have Mick Strawn, who was a production designer behind Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, um, as is with a couple other things, The Hidden and some other movies. We have Rich Davis, who is the creator of Cult of Dracula, uh, a huge comic book hit right now. Um, I believe it's been optioned by Netflix, too, um, or at least uh, optioned by somebody. That uh, So we could be seeing that on the, the silver screen at some point. And we have Jill Six, who is the director and writer of The Stylist, which is a great horror movie. Um, and we have people that you might know. I don't know if you've ever heard of The Casket Creatures. Oh, uh, yeah. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the cast creatures will be there um, all day meeting and, and uh, selling their merch. And uh, then they're going to kick off the, the VIP party uh, that night. So, uh, yeah. And we've got some horror hosts from Knoxville coming in. Uh, we have some really cool opportunities. We have a dinner with Mark Patton. If you want to have dinner with Mark Patton, go to the website He's got his own page for that. Look it over. It's a little bit on the expensive side, but right now, I mean, we're limiting this thing to like eight to 10 people. And right now there's only four. So it's a really cool chance to have a uh, dinner with a screen, screen queen. So um, yeah, just so, so many activities. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's great. It's uh, awesome for the horror film lover. Uh, I, uh, I am looking forward to checking it out uh, and being there, of course. Um, and, uh, and of course, there'll be vendors and other exhibitors and stuff oh, like that, right? Absolutely, yes. Uh, we have all the vendors on the website. You can actually click on their image, and it goes to their website oh. or their um, you know, Facebook page, whatever it goes to their, whatever they have. And, um, we, we have a film fest too. I'd be, uh, Matt would be over here beating me over the head. Um, so we have a film fest that's going to happen and that is included with the general admission. So let me tell you, I just want to run down the general admission, uh, activities real quick. We have, um, uh, well, I thought I would, Talk amongst yourselves. No. So we have a, we, we have, we have the spirit and truth uh, church. They're going to be doing a horror in religion panel. So that's something that I don't know that has really happened before, but it's something that we're really proud of and can't wait to hear what that panel is going to say. Um, and we've got the bad Ben. So you can watch Bad Ben. We're going to screen it during the day. This is for general admission. And uh, Nigel Box is going to do an Ask Nigel Anything afterwards. So you can watch the movie and then ask him questions about it. We're going to do a career retrospective with Brian Brimmer. And that's hosted by our friends at the Rants from the Black Lodge podcast. And then we're going to do the film fest and you can watch all the films that have entered. And then we'll, um, Joe Bob will present a trophy to the winner um, at the VIP event. So uh, we have a lot of stuff during the day, vendors, artists, authors, uh, Tiki Zombie will be there. And we've got videotapes. We've got Orbit DVD. We've got Knox Video. We've got The Dungeon. We, we just have so much to do in this one day. We also got a food truck. 
guys, I've thought of everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see about that. But um, yeah. it sounds like it sounds like it's all that and more. So um, I. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a blast. Let everybody know again when it is and how they can get tickets. So May 14th, general admission is $25. Tickets will be available at the door. If you want to be in a faster lane than standing in line buying your ticket, buy them online right now at frankencontn.com. And you can, uh, you know, we'll get you in as fast as we can that way. Uh, we'll just scan and go. Um, Go to frankencontn.com for all the information. Uh, if you just want to go buy your tickets, go to frankencontickets.com. That will take you there, too. You can pre-order T-shirts, photo ops, just everything we have to offer. You can do it right now, except for VIP. That's sold out. Awesome. Um, awesome. And on, on the social media side, frankencontn. We're very active on social media, so follow us and hit us up. If you have any questions, frankencontn at gmail.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. I look forward to seeing you in a few weeks, and uh, um, yeah, good luck, man. Hey, thank you, guys. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I love our station one, and you guys have always supported me, so I thank you very much. Oh, you'll get her bill. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I expect to. <laughs> Let's take a break and we will close up the show. Welcome to Geek Girls Take. I'm your host, Angela. And this week, this geek girl is talking about some fun, nerdy makeup collabs that are out now or coming out soon. Makeup companies have understood that there are people who want fun makeup that may also be branded as their favorite shows, comics, or different franchises. So I'm going to talk about a couple companies that have some stuff out now or being released very, very soon. To start off with, we're going to talk about Wet n Wild's Care Bear's 40th Anniversary Makeup Collection. This makeup collection is huge. There are some really, really fun makeup and skincare items, including an eyeshadow palette, lip glosses, fake nails, makeup sponges, blush, face sprays. There's just so much in this collection, and you can get it at Walmart, Ulta, or on their webpage. Revolution Beauty has released some really, really fun collabs in the past, and right now they have a Powerpuff Girls makeup set and a Simpsons makeup set that has eyeshadow palettes, blushes, lip glosses, all types of different stuff. ColourPop Cosmetics has some great Star Wars eyeshadow palettes based off of Grogu, The Mandalorian, and Darth Vader. Each has different colors that match that character, and their eyeshadows are super high quality. So this one is not fandom related, but it's still really, really fun in my opinion. Elf Cosmetics has released a Dunkin' Donuts makeup set where some of the products even smell like donuts or coffee. The lip gloss that smells like glazed donuts, though, has to be my favorite out of that set. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Of course, first, Mr. Mike Gordon, who was here earlier, but sadly had to vacate the building because we were talking about Harry Potter. And he just goes, oh, wizard stuff. Oh, I'm out of here. I'm gone. So he ran out going, shouting howdy to everybody else outside the building. And so it was cool. So he's probably there doing a podcast talking about 
you know, anything else but Harry Potter tonight. But he'll be back next week and want to say we miss him. Of course, let's thank the people who did show up tonight. Let's say hey to Ashley Pauls. Thank you. It is always a pleasure to come to the station. Thank you. Thank you for everything as always. Anything you want to shout out about? Yes. I'd like to give a shout out to um, my regional Comic Con. Planet Comic Con in Kansas City, Missouri is happening this weekend. I am super excited about that. Um, If you happen to live in the Midwest and be going there, keep an eye out. I've got uh, two new cosplays, Kate Bishop and... Uh, episode nine Ray, one of which is currently not quite finished. So, <laughs> um, but it will be, I have till Friday. So, um, wish me luck on that, but I'm really excited to do some cosplay and see some geek stuff this weekend. That is awesome. And I can't wait to see the pictures of your costumes. That's- Hopefully finished, and- finished costumes. <laughs> Are you dressing your daughter up? Yes, she's going to be the last day, and um, she was Ray for her first birthday party, so she's going to be Ray again, reusing that costume. But excited to take her and get her into geeky stuff. This will actually be her first or second con. She went last year, um, last summer, to one as well. But hopefully, you gotta you gotta raise them right. Start early. That's awesome, and you know I'm sure your daughter is going to be raised thinking that her name is Ray, so it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know I'm sure you know. Oh, is that my middle name, Mom? <laughs> or is it? Yep. I tried to lobby for the middle name Ray, but my husband nixed that one. So I tried. Ah, uh, <laughs> uh, damn husband. Darn her. He doesn't love Star Wars to the same extent that I do, which is probably good. I feel like you can't have two people who are super crazy about Star Wars. Otherwise, the entire house would be Star Wars and there would be no limits. So it's probably for the best. I could understand that. Definitely. And Mr. Mark Heffernan, thank you for joining us tonight. Oh, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed talking about this film, even though I didn't think it was the greatest. uh, But it was fun talking about it. So don't have it. Don't have really have anything to shout out about. Uh, just glad to be here. It was wonderful to see you up at South Carolina Comic Con. Yeah, I got to. I did get a couple of nice autographs. I uh, one especially uh, one uh, artist called Vic Caraboda, who actually did some work for Atlas back in the 1950s. Got to meet him. That was really a lot of fun. Uh, there's not too many people left from that era. Uh, so it was nice meeting him. I mean, he was in his nineties and he was still doing drawings. Like, I mean, he was, he'd done like three or four drawings that oh, day. That's awesome. Uh, you know, you just don't see that, you know, nowadays, you know, people pumping drawings out. He was doing Corella to Bill, by the way, cause he's also done some Disney work. Nice. So, <laughs> Oh, that was awesome. That is really super awesome. I'm glad to hear about that. And you know what? It was awesome. You looked real excited to have met who you did at the con. It was just great to see you. So it was perfect. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I was only able to go on Sunday, but still, it was a lot of fun. I, of course, hung out with Sylvester McCoy for a bit, as as any uh, self-respecting Doctor Who fan would. Oh, of course. <laughs> and so he was, and he he has such a twisted sense of humor. It's it's awesome. And yeah. He's such a nice guy. He is such such a nice guy. Awesome. So it was awesome to be able to see everybody there. Um going to 
make an announcement now that I'm very happy to say. I announced it earlier on Facebook, but I am coming back to Dragon Con 2022. I got my letter today asking me to be a guest again. So I shall be returning. Ha, 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 ha. The power is going to my head. No, not really. But it sounded good, at least. And um, we got a lot of cool things going on for... ESO Network and Earth Station One and Earth Station Who. We've already started playing around with panel ideas. And so it's going to be very, very interesting to see what we have as things kind of returns to normal. And hopefully we'll be able to do a ESO meet and greet again. Hopefully we'll be able to do, you know, an ESO, you know, maybe dinner and an ESO, you know, meeting like a live recording somewhere you never know we always like doing these kind of things over the years and the last year we couldn't do this kind of thing because of covid so hopefully with that coming out it should be kind of cool and with that i'm also very happy to announce that we are going to be doing a live recording of the dragon con report episode four is going to be recorded next tuesday which is the 29th of I guess of, yeah, the 29th of April. And we are going to be, you know, talking all about Dragon Con and we'll be doing as a Facebook Live. So look for it all over there. So you can actually see myself, Mike Gordon, uh, of course, Darren, and of course, Jennifer Adams. It should be a lot of fun to see who we got sitting in with us. And it's also great because we have a new YouTube channel just for the Dragon Con report. So definitely check that out, folks. Speaking of checking us out, we are going to be back again next week. And we got a good one. We got a music episode next week. We haven't done one of those in a little bit. And we are going to be talking about road trip music and what is some of our favorite uh, music we like to listen to when we're out on the road. It should be kind of fun, but we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please let us know what you guys think about, you know, when you guys are out on the road, going to cons, going to music festivals, going out shopping, whatever you guys do, you know, what do you listen to on the radio? Do you listen to us? That would be awesome if you did. You know, I, I kind of think that would be kind of fun if that was the case. But now, you know, we definitely would love to hear from you guys doing that. And as always, thanks for listening to the Earth Station One podcast. We're powered by NSC. You can find them at nsclivetv.com. Remember, you could also find Earth Station One wherever fine podcasts are found, including now tune in. Please subscribe and tell all your friends about us. On behalf of myself, Mike Faber, Mr. Mike Gordon, Ashley Pauls, and Mr. Mark Heffernan, thanks again for listening. We'll see you here next time on Earth Station One. Stay safe, hug your loved ones, and you know what? Try to have some fun, folks. Peace, and we're done. Boom. And stay magical. Boom. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. 
go to patreon.com slash ESO network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.